0: You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning there will be spoilers,
1: and there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows.
0: Welcome to Force Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy.
2: And I'm Ryan.
0: On Force Friends Rewatch, wow, that's tough. We (laughs) should rename this podcast. On Force Friends Rewatch, (laughs) we watch Star Wars television shows, and then we talk about them. We are continuing our Mandalorian-themed rewatch, where we've watched all of the Mando episodes of Clone Wars, then Rebels, and we are finally starting The Mandalorian. Yes. Typically, this is where Ryan has a bit, but instead we have a guest. Hi, I'm I'm the guest. That's me. Hello,
2: guest. Hello, guest. What's your name, guest? Hello,
0: my
1: name is Andrew uh, Giada, or uh, you might have seen some other people on Twitter.com. Call me Ags. Uh, I am thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Yeah, we're super excited you could join us. Um, I. Yeah. Uh I, I know you tangentially from, like, projects that we have been, like, adjacent to each other on. I don't know if we've yeah. ever recorded anything together, though.
1: You know, I'm not sure we have either. We've been sort of, like you said, working almost, like, in the same building but in rooms next to each other. Yeah. Uh, and we haven't been in the same room, so it's really exciting to be here.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so, Andrew... Tell us, yes. how did did you become a, a, a Star War? Um, would you consider yourself <laughs> like a huge fan? What is your relationship? To- Ooh, yeah, so uh, great question.
1: Over the years, I have had varying levels of fanship of the series. Um, when I was in middle and high school, I was an enormous fan of Star Wars. I knew so many little tidbits and facts and all of that. Um my first Star Wars movie that I actually remember watching was, uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh, of course I had seen the new hope, uh, a new hope and the Empire Strikes Back before that. But the first one I have actual memory of watching for the first time was Return of the Jedi at my friend's house when I was maybe four, cause they had all of the VHS tapes. Nice, nice, uh, nice. So yeah. So for a long time, that one was my favorite. Uh, then I went and saw the prequels in theaters, um, and from from there, there was a bit of a break where I played all of the video games that came out, um, and I, I never read any of the books, but I, I had some uh, tabletop RPG game that was like based around Django Fett. I didn't have anyone to play it with, but I had the game, and I loved the way the cool
0: dice l- looked. Um, I am so curious and, about what that game is.
1: I have no idea. I don't remember, but I remember yeah, I, I had I... it.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. The, was, I'm sorry. I can't help. No, no, it's no. no. What's awesome
0: about that time period in like Star Wars history, like with the prequels, they were licensing so many mm-hmm. things and projects and like memorabilia and games that like, I remember I had uh, Epic Duels, which was like oh I remember game.
1: Epic Duels. I don't remember that one.
0: That like that was like some people remember, some people don't. And you had this Django Fat one, and there were just so many like you could get five Star Wars fans who grew up in that area era and ask them to name five different board games, and you'd get <laughs> yeah different answers. Yeah, it,
1: it was a really cool uh, time because um, there was just
0: so much stuff out there.
1: Yeah. 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 Really, really cool stuff.
0: So you were, you were loosely a a fan during the the prequel era. You played the video games. You got some, some tabletop games that you really enjoyed. Maybe not as hardcore at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then with this new, um, era, I guess you could call it of the, uh, sequel trilogy. Um, I am strongly in the camp, um, and I will fight if I have to, that the last, the last Jedi is the either best or second best Star Wars movie. Um, yes. I'm sorry if that means that I can't be here. No, you will oh, get no let. no, no
0: uh, okay. argument uh, from Ryan. You have found your that. people. Yeah. All right, wonderful.
2: The Last Jedi is, for me, second best, second only to the original and very close.
1: So you like New Hope better?
2: Oh yeah, that's my favorite. It's it's huh. it's really the only one that stands on its own, uh, and I think that's yeah. why. But you're among friends.
1: All right, good. Um, <laughs> and then I I do have to admit I have not seen uh, episode nine, Rise of Skywalker. I've read the synopsis, and I well parts of it. <laughs> I know the major <laughs> plot beats, and I have I just can't work up the courage to actually watch
0: it. It is the um, a- <laughs> It is the only movie, it is the only Star Wars movie that I've ever only watched once.
1: Mm, That's a shame. I saw it
0: it in theaters and literally walked out of the theater and looked at Evan and I was like, I think I really disliked that. Oh no. Because that had never (laughs) happened to me before. And he looked at me and was like, yeah, I hated it. And I went, well, we have the Mandalorian. And that, like, that, was, that was that. I was like, there's still Star Wars that I love, and yeah. I can go enjoy that and not focus on the Star yeah. Wars I dislike.
2: At least there's that. It's the only one I like. All I'll say is it's the only one that I like less the more that I think about it. Like, the more that I dig in, the less it does for me. Hmm. So that's fair.
0: Uh, okay. I, I did sit down to rewatch it once on Disney+. Plus. And I, I was like, I'm gonna watch this. And I'm gonna make a list of all the things that I like about it. And I got maybe a third of the way through, and was like, this is enough. And I turned it off. <laughs> uh, no more, please. And and like for the people that like it, like that's that's absolutely fine. You know, like yeah. more power to yeah. you. I love Solo. Some people didn't like Solo. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, howdy, did uh. Did I not enjoy that one uh <laughs> oh, I did not enjoy that one bit <laughs> yeah, um
1: that's the only Star Wars movie I haven't seen there's there are some TV shows I haven't watched like I, I know I haven't I know before I say it, I haven't watched the Clone Wars TV show um either the what was it 2003 like hand-drawn one or the the more recent one um I haven't seen either one. But
0: they're they're both very fun. They're both very different yeah. from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons why I really wanted you to come on the podcast, Andrew, for this show specifically. Yeah. Uh, well, one, I just like wanted to record something with you. Uh, we, Thank you. <laughs> um, we we have uh, a bunch of similar friends. And I think you and I, uh, I feel like I can confidently say uh, have become friends over the past year and a half. Ish, yeah it's a year and yeah. a half almost two years now yeah yeah uh i went to your house for friendsgiving it was a blast um, oh my gosh that was, like, was that was about a year and a half ago wasn't yeah, it yeah it's oh, covid goodness. covid really caused a dipper in, uh, <laughs> really in our did. growing friendship uh um, oh, beans but uh the second reason was i knew you were a star wars fan who wasn't mm. um obsessed is is i think a word yeah. i'll use. Where a lot of the uh, fans who are really plugged into the Star Wars discourse kind of, I think, lose sight on what the, like, if you were to uh, put 10 Star Wars fans in a room together, maybe uh, one of the 10, you know, is really plugged into the Star Wars discourse. Oh, but they are has, very vocal about and has, it, and has read everything, <laughs> seen everything, and has opinions on on this or that creator and stuff. And like yeah. the other nine are people have seen the movies, have played some of the video games, maybe uh, they've read they read a book in middle school or high school, but that's about it. And like their uh, their opinion on Star Wars is just as valid and important too. Uh, the fan culture as any other but you know maybe they're not in the twitter or youtube biosphere of uh fan discourse and i think man the the show the mandalorian really opened up that kind of kind of wider star wars content to people who had never watched a star wars tv show before but they got disney plus because they heard about this show with pedro pascal and they wanted to, to watch it. And I think yeah. that's really cool that the Mandalorian did that for kind of the wider Star Wars fandom of introducing them to, you know, more Star Wars besides the, the movies or maybe some of the games.
1: I think that's a really astute observation that that TV show had an easy access point for some of the, uh, I guess you could call it deeper lore of Star Wars.
0: Yeah, like people because they watched The Mandalorian heard the name Grand Admiral Thrawn maybe for the first time, Mm -hmm. and they saw Ahsoka for the first time, and uh, maybe they they could tell you the difference between Boba Fett or Django Fett, but they didn't know about Beskar, you know. But like now they do, and that's freaking cool. And I wanted to talk to uh you know for the first episode someone who you know longtime Star Wars fan, you watched it when you were four, but you know, you're well, not a fan thanks. who's been to celebration or something like that. Yeah. And you well, are just you. as valid a Star Wars fan as yes. uh someone who uh watches five YouTube videos a week about, you know, content. <laughs>
1: well thank you very much. I am I am very humbled and honored that you considered me uh,
0: for this um, episode in particular. So um, do, you, do you want to say anything else about like your your uh, opinions on Star Wars or your experience with with being a Star Wars fan or should we dive in? Not really. I I'm ready to to dive in. I think I've said my piece. Cool, cool, cool. So for uh, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, uh, I'm going to do a quick recap. Uh, the recaps are typically uh, better or worse depending on how recently I rewatched the episode <laughs> to when we record. Uh, so we'll see how this goes.
2: Um, They're all great for different reasons. They're all great.
0: Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> the episode opens in a space bar with a fish man who is being bullied by some other fish men and uh, in walks. The Mandalorian, and he is tough and quiet, and we immediately realize that he is a badass man who does badass things uh and he he beats up the bad fishmen and you think he's here to save the good the 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 vulnerable fishman, but he's not he's here to to bring in the vulnerable fishman um Brian Pussain shows up and like does it yeah. bit and gets eaten by a space squid snake. Um, <laughs> we get multiple uh, Star Wars holiday special references. And uh, then we have the Mando turn in the bounty to grief Karga, played by God. The guy Carl from Carl Weathers. Yes. Carl Weathers. Carl thank Weathers. you. This happened yeah. last week uh, or two weeks ago. And it was, it was bad. I could not remember Carl Weathers, his name. Um turns in the bounty. Uh grief carga is like, you're a badass man who does badass things, <laughs> but we don't have money, but there's some baddies who have money, and you should go do some badass stuff for them. And the Mandalorians like word. So he goes to uh what we we find out is uh an imperial outpost of some sort. It's clear that the Galactic Civil War has been over for some time and that the Empire has really fallen on hard times. The Stormtrooper armor doesn't fit. Uh, They're dirty and scrappy and shit is not great. Uh, The uh, invulnerable, indomitable See, now I'm blanking on his name. The Client, though.
2: Werner Herzog.
0: Werner Herzog, yes. He's like, oh, yes, we need a badass man to do badass things. And he's like, that's yeah. me. Yeah, Werner Herzog. Does great. <laughs> Incredible. He's got that sinister accent and way of speaking. doesn't have details for him um, other than, like, the bare minimum. There's a very cute scientist man. Uh, who fucks a genie in American Gods? If you haven't watched, uh, <laughs> oh,
1: I m- maybe need to watch American
0: Gods. Just season one. Season one is very good, and <laughs> oh, then okay. it goes downhill very quickly. But season one is incredible, <laughs> and he he fucks a genie, and it. it's great. Um, that is not the <laughs> Mandalorian though. Uh, the Mandalorian goes to track the the bounty he has been hired. They gave him, they paid him in Beskar, which is cool. Uh, he meets uh, Kweel, who is an Ugnot, and uh, Kuil is like, "I'll help you, but you're gonna have to humiliate yourself by writing a blurg, which is uh, a reference from Ewoks, the Ewok TV show." Yeah. Uh, Man,
1: I totally forgot there was an Ewok TV
0: show. We're gonna cover oh, yeah. That's it. That's coming to Disney Plus at some point if we oh, get enough gosh. patrons on our Patreon. Uh, we will yeah, cover yeah. Ewoks. So Patreon, uh, WTM Radio, uh, we get enough, we'll do Ewoks. Uh, that was a nice little plug. That was a little plug. Uh, he goes to where the uh, the asset is, the bounty is, and there's another bounty hunter there, uh, voiced by Taika Waititi, uh, phenomenally. And uh, there's a lot of shooting and some shoot-em-ups, and at first they disagree. Because the Mando doesn't like droids, but then they fall in love with each other, and they (laughs) defeat all of the baddies. There's lots of baddies, and they defeat them all. And then uh, IG-88, or IG-11, is like, oh, it's a a weird little baby. Look at this weird little baby. And Mando shoots him and is like, I'm going to raise this little baby. And that is where the episode ends.
2: That was a good recap. That was one that of the good the, ones. That was the yeah, recap. That
1: covered all the major points.
0: So, <laughs> Andrew, what was your first thought watching the episode? Were you were you hooked right away? Did it take you a couple episodes? I was
1: mostly taken by the complete tonal difference in this one episode than in all the rest of the Kind of Star Wars media that I have consumed, it was so different than any of the movies and and most of the video games that I had played growing up. Um, fortunately, I was hitting kind of like a a Western style uh I don't want to say fixation but I did just spend about 500 hours playing Red Dead Redemption 2 that oh, summer yes um right when Mandalorian came out so I was I was <laughs> super into it um but yeah I thought it was great obviously all of the acting was phenomenal you get some some truly remarkable talent in there with Carl Weathers Pedro Pascal and uh Werner Herzog obviously just doing these incredible characters. Um, yeah, it it was great. And, uh, I couldn't wait for, for the next one.
0: Star Wars has always had, um, an interesting relationship specifically with Westerns and samurai movies. Mm -hmm. And there have been characters before who have been cowboys kind of just like implanted into Star Wars. I think like, Han Solo and Kanan Jarrus from Rebels are, like, really good examples. And then Kanan kind of slowly becomes a samurai. He, like, starts out as a cowboy and then becomes, you know, a samurai character. But this is very specifically a Western. Like, especially this first episode is... Oh, very much so. You could have kept it beat for beat and removed the blasters and given them six shooters and cowboy hats. And it would have been the exact same story yeah. totally it's it's really cool to
1: see the creative team here branching out in terms of genre but still within the same universe and it it made me really excited for whatever else they have planned um other than just the show the mandalorian
0: what about you ryan what was your what was your first takeaway when you watched this episode
2: I mean, definitely came away from it with the whole... Exactly what you just said about Star Wars having always had sort of a Western flair, but not... I mean, like, the Rush... This is one of my... I don't know why I thought of this, but I used to have a Russian Star Wars poster that was literally just a cowboy made of circuit boards. And I was like, wow, (laughs) this is that as a TV show. Okay. Uh, I didn't love it at first, Like it, I guess it just, it's not, I didn't dislike it because it was different, but I wasn't sure where it was going to go. And I was worried that it was going to be this like hard edge, morally gray. Like I, the idea of like a gray Jedi hero is one of my least favorite things in the whole Star Wars fandom. And even though he wasn't a Jedi, I just, I don't want that. You know, Star Wars is good and evil and selfishness and selflessness. And then at the end, when we got that baby, I was like, oh, it's going to be that kind of show. All right. I'm in. That was it for me. Like, I like Mandalorians. I like bounty hunters. I like all that. But I wasn't ready for that to be the focus. But when I realized it was going to be about protecting this baby and making the right decision. I was sold.
0: For me, I have a. uh, A passionate fan crush on Pedro Pascal. Um, I I just think he's an incredibly talented actor. I think he is uh, just a very charming uh, performer and individual, and I like watching stuff with him in it. I'll go out of my way to see something if I know he's in it. So the fact that he was coming to Star Wars kind of already had me hooked, but I... Did not really like Mandalorians. I liked the episodes of them in Clone Wars and Rebels, but uh, because of the, like, Karen Travis discourse (laughs) and her hands all over them in fandom, uh, I was not excited about the subject matter uh, very much. Um, But, you know, of course it's a Star Wars live-action show with a phenomenal cast. Like, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, uh, this episode was, um, at least the first half really felt like the sort of show that I was worried it was going to be about this masculine badass man who has to do bad things to get the job. Yeah. And then I think I've really started falling in love with it during the shootout at the end where IG-11 is like, I'm going to self-destruct. And he's like, no, please don't like, please, please stop <laughs> trying to do that. And then the baby Yoda hook was like, Oh, I had heard that rumor and thought it was bullshit. Uh, Cause you know, most rumors are bullshit. Uh, and I, I was just like, where is this going next? So yeah, it, it it took maybe you know twenty minutes into the episode for me to be like, you know what? No, this is something I'm here for. Yeah, I I totally get what you're
1: saying about that too. With the, and and Ryan, you said it too. Going into it with these morally gray. Ah, oh, this is this super macho badass who needs to do bad things, but for the right yeah. reasons. And you know that's that's part of it. But I really did enjoy that he he is a flawed character, Mm -hmm. obviously, but again, halfway through the show, it it very much pivots to showing you that he is going to go on this huge season long arc of character growth and bonding with this, you know, it's a 50 year old infant, whatever. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point in this episode. (laughs) Um, um, And that got me really, really excited too, because yeah, I, I was worried when, I heard, oh yeah, it's the Mandalorian and we're gonna explore all of this Mandalorian lore. It's like, ugh, we all know, yes, they're the badasses of the Star Wars universe. We don't need a whole show about it. That was going through my head. Yeah. Um yeah. so I yeah. I, I was worried as well. Um, even though I really like the tone and everything, like I said, I I was a little bit hesitant to get started. Um and then, you know, I ended up really liking this episode. So mm-hmm.
0: Right there with you, as yeah. far as, like, the, the aesthetics early on capturing you of, like, this is something we haven't seen in Star Wars. I grew up on John Wayne movies, and then when I got a little bit older, like, Clint Eastwood Westerns. And mm-hmm. um, so I was, like, here for that aesthetic for sure. Like, that cow- cowboys are fun. And um, having a cowboy played by a person of color, I think, is also really important. Uh, mm, and something yes. that yeah, I haven't seen talked about a whole lot, but I think that's something really cool that the Mandalorian did of this is a space Western, but starring, uh, you know, someone who isn't white. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, very much so. I, I really thought it was interesting that they cast um, not, not just like a, a person of color, but specifically Pedro Pascal, who is I'm trying to think this might actually be one of the first things I've seen him in, which is my own mistake but you know i knew the name and and he spends all season under a helmet we never actually see his face and that's you know props to him for being an actor who will take on a project where for 13 hours of screen time he doesn't show his face once i'm sure that's not easy for an actor to want to do
0: i got to I got to meet Jeremy Bullock, who played Mm -hmm. uh, Boba Fett in the original trilogy, Um, and I geeked out, of course, and, uh, you know, asked him, like, hey, like, how did you, like, for sure part of the reason why this character made such an impact was, you know, just the costume, but, like, how did you bring out your performance in a costume where you couldn't show your face? And he told me that he studied... Specifically, Clint Eastwood's head movements in things huh. like men with no name, yeah, and uh, like looking through the helmet like it's the brim of a hat, and uh, you know, little things I like, like that. that. And I'm sure Jeremy or not Jeremy, I'm sure Pedro Pascal is trying to do the same thing of like slow, methodical, very strategic body posturing and movement because. How else do you show personality when you can't show the character's face?
2: Well, I guess, I mean, Pedro was on set for some of it, but there's also there's these two doubles that play the Mandalorian and they choose the double based on what's going on in the scene. I was just reading about this before this episode. Latif Crowder is very much an action guy and if the mandalorian is like being a badass or fighting or there's a lot of physicality in in the sense of combat it's latif in the suit but the other guy brendan wayne is uh both the grandson of and from what i understand a better human being than uh john wayne and he's there's got to be something genetic about that physicality that's so iconically cowboy that was john wayne
0: he's the the pistol guy right oh yeah yeah yeah. if the mando is handling like firearms they they have him in the suit
2: yeah he's the pistol guy and he's also the like the close-up like what you were saying like looking through the helmet like it's the brim of a hat okay yeah i think he i think he's the peacetime mando and latif is the wartime mando that's really cool. And then you've got Pedro too.
0: Yeah, right. That's these that's three just, actors collaborating to bring one character to life. That's yeah. wild
1: to me. I didn't. I didn't know about the two different sort of. I guess you could call them stunt doubles, even though one is yeah. really the stunt double and one is like the super cool looking mood setting cowboy body. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you for for telling us that. That's yeah.
0: That's of awesome. course, of course. Um, were there any specific moments from this episode that were real highlights for you?
2: Hmm. I was surprised when he went underground and I realized that those were other Mandalorians that he was going to see. I, I really thought, like, that was sort of the preview of the Baby Yoda thing because I thought he was just going to be this hard boiled loner who doesn't have anybody. And then it turns out that he's, he's like, part of this family. And he's he's doing all this for the next generation.
0: Everything about the armor for me pops. Cool. Uh the fact that she is a um a badass matriarch, which we have seen through Clone Wars and Rebels as being like really important to Mando society, the fact that her helmet has horns, which is very reminiscent of Maul's effect on the culture, I'm assuming. Uh yeah. her like dope-ass hammer cabinet, like it's like a liquor <laughs> thing, like kind of opens up and is full of like different blacksmithing equipment. Um, and the fact that Mando gives up all of the money he just got, as well as the, like lets the Beskar excess be used for others, I thought was very uh, intriguing character information. Yeah,
1: very much so. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not saying, oh, I liked that there were space Nazis, but um, I really liked the sort of world building that they did by having Werner Herzog's character be an old Empire loyalist with still stormtroopers around him. Because at the end of Return of the Jedi, it's very so celebratory because like, Oh, they won the war. And, and now the empire is no more. And all of these people who worked for the empire will just go away. And it's yeah, maybe it's just because I saw it when I was a kid, but that was my mindset. And now that I'm older, you know, and living through times that we are currently living in, I guess I'll say that's not really what happens. And it's, it was interesting to me to still have this sort of, well, yeah, of course there are still going to be people who are trying to to bring the Empire back and who are still loyal to those ideas. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting choice, and it, it really struck me.
0: There is a character in um, Princess Leia Bloodlines, where it's a book about Ooh, yeah. older Leia— uh, who's like very established in her political career it takes place maybe uh fifteen years after return of the jedi and he is a young politician who is a galactic civil war memorabilia enthusiast and he <laughs> Leia has a meeting in his office and is completely grossed out and sickened because he has like an imperial flag and like rare types of stormtrooper helmets on display and like some rebel, but like it's all mixed up and it's clear that he doesn't understand why someone who had her planet blown up would find it remarkably distasteful to like display those items in, uh, like such a setting. That's
1: super interesting. I had not heard about this book.
0: It's uh, yeah. probably one of my favorite of the the new canon, um, just because it uh, talks about and deals with stuff that you typically don't see, and the fact that like Leia is much older in it, and is the protagonist, I thought was really cool. Um, I will say that it uses the terms populist and centrist in ways that are not accurate, and mm. is very confusing <laughs> if you know what those terms actually mean. <laughs> But if you can get past their names
2: of political parties, right?
0: Yeah, but they're what those political parties stand for is not, you know, representative of what those words mean in real life.
2: That Uh, sort of reflects real life too, when you really think about it. But I can see where that's a little yeah that that kind of threw me for a loop.
0: Yeah, but otherwise, phenomenal book. Uh, But yeah, it's this idea of like, well, the war's over, but what are those people doing now and yeah just like in real life when fascist regimes have fallen uh they scatter to places where they won't be noticed and they try and hang on to any sort of power they can get their hands on
1: yeah 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 that's really cool and people say star wars isn't political <laughs> yeah, it's got war in the title, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One thing that I was and, and I'm I hope it's okay that that I I bring this up. Um that I was kind of confused by is the the whole tracking sort of tags that they use for the bounty hunters. And I was wondering yeah. if you could clear up how that yeah. is supposed to work cuz Nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> I was just magic. confused by space, how that... S- space magic. Ah. Yeah, okay. It was. I figured it was one of those things I'm supposed to overlook, because, ooh, cool, space future, but... That's basically it. When well, so there- much of the other parts of Star Wars lore and canon is going into how these things work and why it was possible for the Millennium Falcon to fly through the whatever and however many parsecs, I <laughs> thought maybe, maybe they would take the time to explain that. But if not, that's, you know,
0: okay. I think that's, I, I have two negatives and that's one of them It's just that like, there, there is zero explanation for the tracking Bob. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need someone to like, look at the camera and spell it out for me. Like I can just accept that, uh, you know, a piece of technology works the way it's meant to, and, you know, the way the story needs it to. But the tracking fob keeps coming up and up and up throughout the season with no explanation because we're going to mm-hmm. we're going to yeah. see the tracking fobs again and again. And if uh if it's going to be that important to the story that, you know, baddies are finding them because they have tracking fobs, uh, maybe some sort of explanation would be. uh. Yeah, would be would be helpful
1: even just like, oh, it goes by the DNA. So we have like whatever bit of Baby Yoda DNA and we feed it into the fob and it tries to track it like something. Yeah. But OK, I, I was just curious if they explained that in the episode and I just missed it somewhere or something like that.
2: I my crazy theory that I have about how that even came to be was like, I think they knew they wanted the show to be about a Mandalorian protecting a baby before they really knew anything else. And the idea probably was DNA, but I imagine they came up with that before they realized the re like, before they came up with the reason the Imperials want him, which ultimately I, I, it is his DNA, right? They want him to clone that way. Yeah. Yeah. I will and say so that it's imagine... odd
0: that Werner Herzog says dead is acceptable. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I remembered that before, Me either. but watching I... it this time, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I,
1: first time I watched it, I thought for sure he just wanted him alive, but then he said that. And I was like, oh, dang. Oh, all right. I also forgot that.
2: Yeah. And then doesn't IG 11 say he was specifically ordered to kill him?
0: Yeah, that's why Mando mm-hmm. shoots IG Eleven.
2: Right. So are there? Which two I remember people... that, but I forgot yeah. that yeah.
0: Herzog was like, no, like if you have to bring him dead, it's not a big deal.
2: But then if IG eleven was told, do kill him, are there two people I had never really thought about this. Like, are there two people searching for this baby? Who's the other entity?
0: Well, I wonder if Herzog is uh you know, truly working for uh, the the powers that be, like if he wasn't trying to maybe um, embarrass uh, Gideon by sure. having the baby die or something like that, uh, so, because we we know that the like imperial officer infrastructure is incredibly backstabby from from other Star Wars content. And that's very true, and people are are constantly competing against each other. So that was kind of my thought there of like, oh, maybe he's like, maybe he's cool with something going bad because it'll make Gideon look bad, but um any any other moments that you really loved? Or I guess we can talk about negatives. We've kind of already brought up negatives. Um, um
1: The firefight I thought was great. IG11 doing a whole bunch of weird spinny arm things. We don't see in like the main line, a lot of that sort of droid combat, Um you know, in in the prequel episodes, at least they were very much just like very, very static, upright, pew, pew, shoot the gun and didn't have as much sort of mobility. It was almost kind of hard to believe that any of them were sort of an elite fighting force. And then, you know, the IG-11 yeah. or IG-88, whichever model you choose, has that sort of mobility and that sort of. Um, utility. I, I can see why it would be uh, a more elite sort of fighting force.
0: It really uh, brought me back to Shadows of the Empire on N sixty four, where there's you have to fight IG eighty eight, and it's very stressful. Yes. Uh, I loved his eye movements of how like the 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 head cylinder is like rotating as the arms are like really jerky, but also oh, kind of yeah. smooth rotate. It was it was very
1: neat. Yeah, the the design is impeccable, and how they utilized every part of that design that you know whoever designed him maybe thought of and maybe didn't hard to say but they definitely did a a very very good job.
2: Yeah, everything about that character and Taika Waititi's performance is he's hilarious. It's it's hard to deliver yes. a dry line hilariously when you can't emote with your face, and he was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, agreed. I don't know that I knew it was Taika Waititi when I first watched it. Um, so prop, you know, props to him. Amazing voice acting. Really phenomenal.
0: Uh, something that I really love is the return of classic Star Wars aliens. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I love the fact that we got a ton of new cool aliens in the sequel trilogy. But uh, something that always kind of bugged me was, like, you know, it'd be nice to see a Rodian or a Twi'lek or a Quarren walk by in The Resistance. Like, yes. besides Mon Cal, I don't think there are really any returning classic Star Wars aliens in the sequel trilogy. And that's, uh, I guess, you know, uh, a choice, but it would have been cool to have seen some of them incorporated from the prequel trilogy or the original trilogy show yeah. up in the, in the sequel trilogy. And so agreed, seeing agreed. seeing a bunch of classic Star Wars aliens in these bar scenes, as well as new ones, is really cool.
1: It reminds me very much, and I'm going to nerd out a little bit more, it reminds me a lot of whenever they release like a new Pokemon game, And they bring in Pokemon from like the older generations back into the new game. It's very much like, ha, I remember that. It's cool that they kind of remember the own world that they have already built.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Just like that. Uh, and that's something that I love about, you know, solo and rogue one is that they, they have new creatures, but then they sprinkle in, uh, some older ones. And, uh, I'm really glad the Mandalorian decided to do that. Um, mm-hmm. A little fucked up to see a Kowakian monkey lizard being eaten. They're <laughs> semi-sentient, right? Yeah, like they're they're, they're 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 kind of people. I think I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure where the canon. Yeah, is, I'm gonna go on the
2: record and say I'm not a fan of that.
1: Yeah. Not a yeah, thing. a little bit rough. A little bit yeah. rough on that one.
0: But um, you know, there's
1: there's always a bigger fish. Uh. It's true. It's <laughs> true. It's
0: true. My other my other complaint, because I guess we'll just do negatives. Okay. Is the the fifty years old thing? Hmm. Yes. I I don't think it lines up well. I don't think it it really makes sense.
1: I agree wholeheartedly.
0: Yeah. And uh Star Wars timelines are dumb and don't make sense. <laughs> I have I have argued on this podcast that there's no way the Clone Wars is only 3 years long. I stand by that argument. Uh I don't think 50 years here makes sense. But you know it's also not a big deal,
1: yeah, it's really I guess it's not in the in the scheme of
2: things,
0: Ryan, do you have thoughts on the fifty years
2: i'm I'm like doing the math in my head here, and i it doesn't make sense unless that species has a very long infancy
0: well yeah that's the that's the problem, um, yeah,
2: I mean. It's because Yoda, Yoda I guess dies. I like at, it.
0: Yoda dies at around I, 900.
2: Yeah, but we don't know if Yoda died of old age. Maybe he had mesothelioma and didn't call those <laughs> lawyers from television. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. No, I agree. I, yeah, Yoda, it's the, the implication is very much that Yoda dies of old age and that he's very ancient. And I mean, their infancy would have to be like 10 to 25 years, I would think. But I like it. Like you said, I hand wave it. It's one of those timeline things. I love what we find out later about the whole the baby's backstory. And that's the only way for that to work.
0: Well, they could have said that baby Yoda was 25 years old. And that backstory would have still roughly worked.
1: And it would have made more sense for the timeline already set by Yoda. Um I, w- True. I was gonna suggest that that maybe they had just had wrong, like bad information on, on how old baby Yoda is. Maybe they said it's fifty, but you know, is there Oh that's fair. Are they gonna are they gonna cut him open and count the rings? Like no. Maybe they don't <laughs> actually know.
0: I think that explanation makes Uh, A lot of sense if you want to explain it away in your head, because we can clearly tell the Empire is struggling very, very much. And um, like they barely have any intel to give Mando anyway about the kid's location. So uh, how Mm -hmm. much do they really know about Baby Yoda's life and history? Probably not much.
1: Um I maybe it's just because I didn't watch that far uh but I didn't like that Mando was a droid racist. Uh he just doesn't like droids, doesn't trust droids and I thought that was very uncool of him.
0: So droids and how characters treat them is kind of a shorthand in Star Wars. We know that characters who are typically hero characters have very close relationships with droids. So you mm-hmm. have Rey immediately befriending BB-8 upon meeting him. Uh, Luke and R2 have a very special relationship. Anakin and R2 have a very special relationship. Right. Um, Ahsoka treats droids very respectfully, and like they they trust and believe in her. Um, Hera has Chopper. Uh, and then characters who dislike droids, it's seen as a character flaw. So Obi Wan doesn't like droids, and it's uh, it's shown to be like a bit of a character failing on his does, part. Does does Obi Wan not like droids? Because
1: I always thought you know he has R four in the prequels, and then he oh. greets R two like he's an old friend
0: in uh, in A New Hope. Obi-Wan chews through droids, like, crazy throughout the prequels and the Clone Wars. They just, like, blow up on him all the time. Uh-huh. And he admonishes Anakin for his close relationship with R2. Interesting. He's always, I don't remember he, that. Yeah. He's always he like, just get it, in- just get its memory erased, like, it'll be easier to deal with and yeah. stuff like that.
2: There's a Clone Wars Um, sort of story arc where R2 goes missing and Anakin is distraught. And Obi-Wan actually says, uh, R2 units are a dime a dozen.
0: Oof. And Anakin's like, well, we need to rescue him because I've never erased his memory and it's full of Republic and Jedi secrets. And Obi-Wan is like, God damn it. (laughs)
1: Um, I didn't know that about Obi-Wan. That's disappointing. I think...
0: Yeah, like I, mean, I get
1: I get that that's a thing that they do, but I think it's OK to be cool and be a badass without being a droidist.
0: Yeah, and and I think that is we're meant to see it as a character flaw in Mando. And um, I I think it was, again, that sort of Star Wars shorthand that they're showing us that like this dude is tough because we just saw him beat a bunch of people up in a bar. And take someone prisoner and then he is different than other Star Wars protagonists from the movies and shows who, you know, in Star Wars shorthand we show have very, uh, like close relationship with the droids around them. Mm-hmm. And I um, get that. Like Han Solo is the other prime example of a Star Wars hero who like doesn't get along with droids. And yeah. shorthand yeah. for he's a bit of a dick. Um... Mando uh does go on to change his tune well, which I good. think is really cool. I must not um, have gotten that far then. Uh and yeah, it is something that uh you have to like watch him grow on and struggle with and uh it's uh it is interesting character development. But I agree uh droids should be uh treated like people and I, yeah uh, i am a i am a droids rights
1: activist um i really really enjoyed not to talk about a totally different star wars property but i really no, enjoyed the it. droid character i forget her name or their name in solo that was also a droids rights activist i thought that was a very fun
0: take uh yeah yeah she yeah. is she is awesome and um I know that some people felt like her getting turned into the Falcon was uh, really dark and cruel. Yeah, I didn't care for that, but... I personally saw it as freedom in that, like, she is now, um, like, able to go anywhere and do anything, and she has kind of escaped the discrimination she was facing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I realized that I was in... Probably the minority who saw it that way, and maybe uh, you know that wasn't what was actually being communicated. But when I first saw it, that's how I I saw
1: it. That might be what they meant by it, but I that's not how I saw it. I can definitely see how how that is a uh, a more positive interpretation. But again, that's a totally different property. So I'm sorry to keep getting sidetracked. I just like talking about Star Wars.
0: (laughs) No, we that, I mean that's what we do here. We joke that we only talk about oh, yeah. the Star Wars TV shows, but um okay. every, everything kind of connects together in uh in fun ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, Ryan, that... did you have any negatives?
2: No, not really. I mean, besides, you know, not wanting it to be this hard boiled gunslinger man's man show and then and then being pleasantly surprised by uh the family and the baby. Um, Yeah, I really don't have anything. It's a fun start. It sets up the world well. It sets up, as Andrew said much earlier, it sets up the tone well.
0: Yeah, this really is like uh, a slap in the face for a new Star Wars aesthetic in a really hard way. Just like the High Republic now is kind of doing this Arthurian knights mm. aesthetic really really hard and aggressively this is very aggressively a western and uh it's it's real fun
1: it's a fun show
0: it's a very fun show i have yeah, a very
1: i have a question for for both of you uh if that's okay yeah i don't want to i don't want to you know yeah. take over um i try to avoid a lot of star wars discourse like you've said um but as someone, as people who are like in the community, have you seen any takes that were disappointed that the Mandalorian is what it is? Anybody who expected something totally different and didn't like what it actually was?
0: Hmm. So there are. I I saw some like diehard Karen Travis people who. Karen Travis wrote a series of Mandalorian novels that um, I think are pretty gross. Uh, I'm not a fan of her work. Uh, (laughs) I don't think she would be a fan of my work and that is okay. Um, But I saw some like diehard Karen Travis people who were disappointed. Um, There were uh, quite a few of the kind of grosser elements of Star Wars fandom who were uh angry that the armorer was a woman and like clearly in an authority role over the the main character and then um those people really fucking hated episode four uh sanctuary with Gina Carano, and there were all these videos of how uh Kathleen Kennedy had inserted her feminist agenda and took over, and uh this show sucks now and it's awful, and Gina Carano can't act. And they, they I mean, said a bunch I of I do
1: agree with them there.
0: They said a bunch I of uh, like, pretty, pretty like transphobic things about her appearance and the Oof. the fact that she's got like muscles and um they all changed their tune real quick when they realized that she was a piece of garbage and was a huge transphobe. <laughs> and they were like, "They did this beautiful woman. She plays a strong female character. She's the best part of the show." And it's like, it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you remember those other videos you made. Um, <laughs> yeah. So those were sort of the people that I saw who were disappointed. Um, kind of people who weren't happy that it wasn't more in line with the. Karen Travis, like, Mandalorians from novels, and then some who were um, just immediately put off by the fact that there were, uh, like, women in it. Um, I think most people who watched it that I saw in, in like, fandom discourse were uh, excited about the possibilities, you know, when the first couple episodes were coming out of, where is this going? Who are these new characters? Uh, and they were pretty on board. Um, I think I saw maybe a couple complaints about people who weren't sure where in the timeline this was supposed to be, or who were confused because like the sequel trilogy was uh, kind of wrapping up, and they weren't sure if this was before that or after that, or you know, is this? Yeah, I saw a little of that. Where where in Return of the Jedi is is this taking place? Um, which. Um I think those answers were kind of out there if you wanted to see them but I also don't necessarily think it's really important to the story that's being told. Mhm. So I I think that's maybe why the show didn't bother to to address it yeah. like it's uh,
2: I cool. I was thinking as you were talking and I I there was one person who surprised me with how much they did not like it. My mom introduced me to the ways of the force. You know, she's a fan since 1977. I mean, she's but she's she loves anything with the Skywalker family. She loves all the trilogies evenly. She she likes Rogue One. She likes when Star Wars is about good versus evil, you know, much like me. She likes the story of this family and what they stand for. And she tried to watch this episode three times and without fail, she would fall asleep within 20 minutes. I mean, fall asleep. Three o'clock in the afternoon, pass out, take a nap. And I was like, I was so upset because she doesn't go on the internet much. She didn't really have the baby thing spoiled on her at first. But when she did, she was kind of like, well, what the hell is this? And I was like, this is what you're missing when you keep going into a coma. And <laughs> she finally- I starter, yeah, she finally, just on
0: episode two then.
2: I thought about it, but she, first of all, she, she likes Carl Weathers. Um, okay. And so, you know, she needs some grief cargo in her life. And, but I don't think she was even staying awake long enough to get to him. And then I knew that she would be confused if she started on episode two, she would need the setup of the scene with the Imperials and the scene with the Mandalorian covert. And when she finally like sat down with a friend and powered through the first three episodes, she binged the rest of the season in like a day and a half. The baby thing did get. Yeah. I mean, I hate that the baby got spoiled on her, but I love that she came around to that because then we were. I mean, Luke Skywalker is her first love and I love Luke Skywalker so much and that didn't get spoiled on her. She didn't have time to watch it for the first few days, and we got to sit down on Zoom, and I was like, you're not allowed to ask me any questions, but we need to watch this episode together. And I'm happy that we got that experience. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's really I I like that she
2: came around.
0: Yeah, thank you. Every season, or every episode of season two, except for the first one got spoiled for me before I could watch it.
2: Oh no. I'm so Um, sorry. I was responsible for one of those and I'm so sorry. I never (laughs) should have assumed you had seen.
0: I will say that it did not really take any enjoyment out of it for me. Like, I think the stories were always good enough on their own that like the shock value of seeing this character or that character wasn't enough to like yeah remove any of the fun for me um I wasn't uh the hugest fan of luke showing up but I understand like what it meant to people to see that character again so I'm happy they got that uh spoilers for season two
2: okay <laughs> uh, yeah yeah
0: well we have the warning at the top of the episode so
2: yeah, so it'll be all right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I ever decided if I wanted that or not, but that's a conversation for a whole <laughs> other episode. Yeah, yeah. I was we'll, happy when we'll it get happened there eventually. I um, was happy when the X-wing flew by and my mom just started shrieking, but that's another story. Oh.
0: <laughs> oh, that's really cute. <laughs> yeah. Any any final thoughts on this this premiere, this new show that we that we got?
1: Um, I should
0: probably go back and finish season one at some point. <laughs> um, you,
1: uh, you should watch oh, you along should. with us. Yeah. Listen to the episodes. Yeah. Maybe watch I along. will. That sounds nice. I'm on spring break this week. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's what I'll do. If,
0: uh, if right you want to come back on again, let us know. We'll, we'll throw you back in the, in the, in the roster.
1: Thank you. I would love to. This has been a lot of fun.
0: Uh, so Andrew, where can people find, uh, Find you on the internet and plug any projects that you are currently working on or a part of that you you want people. To sure,
1: know about. thank you. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at leethacks l three t underscore h four x. Um, I am on Twitch at Doctor Stunts. Um, and I am a recurring member, cast member of the podcast A Horror Borealis. Um, on the One Shot Network. So uh, it's a really, really good show. By oh, the thank way, you.
0: yeah, thank you very much. That. We are
1: we are currently doing a retelling of Stephen King's It called Loser's A Love Story. I play Ben Hanscom. Uh, we are almost wrapping up there. We're almost done with it. We've got maybe a few more episodes to go. Uh, so come and check it out.
0: All right, well, thank you again for, for joining us, Andrew. That is going to do it for us. You can follow us on Twitter at Friends Pod. You can shoot us an email at ForceFriendsRewatch at gmail.com. We want to give a huge thank you to Bristol Podworks uh, for that intro and for being our producer. Go reach out to them to make your podcast dreams come true. And we have teamed up with Ending Pending... Uh, to create uh, our own little slice of the internet called Where They May Radio. You can get some great rewards and behind-the-scenes stuff at Patreon slash WTM Radio. Ryan. What? How do we close the podcast?
2: I mean, we used to say tell the boy about his parents, but we are done with that show, so I think now we just say this is the way. It's cheesy,
0: but it works.
2: It is. You know, it's cliche, but...
0: but yeah, it's a little on the nose. It's the way. This it is, is, the is. the way? Okay. I guess Star Wars fans are a little cheesy.
2: Where they may radio. I think this is is the, the way come up with needs like, like a
0: callback, like uh, like the the all the Catholic Star Wars fans with like "May the Force be with you" and also with you, like that's just the way it needs a call and response element to it. I don't know. I guess the podcast mm. is over though, so we'll we'll cut.
2: It is. <laughs>